listening to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and today we're joined by our friend and fellow travel journalist, Tim Leffel, who has some thoughts and tips about traveling, even though we're still in the midst of COVID. It's much harder to just wing it like we used to be able mm-hmm. to, just hop on a plane with a passport and go, because first of all, you got more paperwork to deal with now, and forms you have to upload, and maybe vaccination proof, and tests that you still have to take before you can get into the country so there's all that but also one thing that's changed um that you might that might require more money also is you might have to have travel insurance to even get into the country and so i think it was always a good idea to have because Mm -hmm. it usually includes flight cancellation insurance or if your luggage gets lost on top of all the medical but now um, some countries are requiring it because of the medical aspects You just heard from award-winning travel writer, editor, and online magazine publisher Tim Leffel discuss some of the post-pandemic requirements we should be aware of, especially if we're looking to live the life of a digital nomad. Tim travels frequently between his home in Mexico and the U.S., but he is currently preparing for an extended European trip. The insights and travel tips Tim offers are helpful to anyone preparing to travel abroad. We met with Tim at the Wyndham Palmas del Mar in the east coast of Puerto Rico. We had been here for several days, and this was Tim's first time visiting Puerto Rico, so we asked him about his initial impression of the island. I've been a lot more impressed with the food than I expected. We've been eating extremely well. Uh, And then also just live music everywhere, you know. The people are... uh, always dancing and singing and there's always some some kind of music going on and that's although been you fun. didn't get out there no, 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 no. <laughs> not much of a dancer on occasion it's happened it's like a bigfoot sighting <laughs> so tim it's been a long time i mean several years since we had you on last time the last time we talked about you know travel in a post uh pandemic world and we're even though COVID's still with us, we're traveling more. Yeah, we've um, been together for a week and haven't had masks on, so I guess we're, we haven't killed each other. Yeah, thank goodness, thank goodness. So wh- what's happening now? I mean, you're heading off to Europe in uh, just a couple of days. So we see Europe opening back up. And what are some of the other places that you've seen open up and the new trends that are Yeah, so I'm trying to make up for lost time. I went to South America earlier this year, and I'm going to go to Thailand at the end of this year. So I'm going to hit hit multiple continents after moving around in a very small space for almost two years. So that's uh, kind of gratifying. But yeah, Southeast Asia is a big development because almost the whole area was closed, and that's been such a budget travel paradise, you know, and it it sort of killed the -the round-the-world travel idea for quite a while there and um, you know same with Central and South America a lot of people do that overland and take mm-hmm. six months or whatever um, but yeah I mean it's of course we're still dealing with the threat but it's definitely gotten a lot lesser and uh, people are feeling like they can get out and about again so I think we're seeing a lot of uh, people making up for lost time and taking that money that they saved hopefully and uh, using it for experiences instead of just more things to stuff in their garage. <laughs> and you, 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 you mentioned that, you know, things are getting easier. You know, we're able to travel a lot more easier uh, as well, but there are things that we need to consider now that we didn't have to before. Yeah, it's much harder to just wing it like we used to be able mm-hmm. to just hop on a plane with a passport and go. 
because first of all, you got more paperwork to deal with now and forms you have to upload and maybe vaccination proof and tests that you still have to take before you can get into the country. So there's all that, but also one thing that's changed um, that you might that might require more money also is you might have to have travel insurance to even get into the country. And so I think it was always a good idea to have because mm-hmm. it usually includes flight cancellation insurance or if your luggage gets lost on top of all the medical. But now um, some countries are requiring it because of the medical aspect. So if you don't have some kind of expat policy or whatever, you're going to need to pick up travel insurance and pay attention to the minimum coverage (laughs) that you need from a medical standpoint. Tim, you're on the advisory board along with Tanya of the North American Travel Journalist Association, which gives you a pulse on what's happening in the industry from a destination marketing or uh, management perspective as well as journalists. What have you been able to glean from our time here from both the DMOs and journalists in terms of how they might be pivoting going forward as we come out of the pandemic? Yeah, it's been a weird couple of years, but um, last year was kind of feast and famine for a lot of people. I mean, from a destination side, the places that people could road trip to in the U.S., some of them had a record year last year during this pandemic, which is kind of hard to believe. Mm -hmm. But people were looking for places they could drive to, where they could sort of stay in their bubble, places where they could be outside. Um, So the, the destinations that offered that benefited. And then at the same time as travel writers, the ones who focused on domestic travel and road trips and outdoor activities did much better than those who were mostly writing about international travel that took you 12 hours on a plane to get to. (laughs) But, you know, there's been a lot of pivoting. Some people wrote more about food. I wrote Mm -hmm. more about uh, liquor for a site that I have (laughs) about Latin America. So, you know, people were still drinking, so I wrote more about rum and tequila. Mm -hmm. Well, you got a lot of uh, content here on this trip. (laughs) Yeah, we had some... uh, plenty of rum cocktails together. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. So one of the other things, you know, I mentioned that people are kind of revenge traveling, but we're also seeing people want to move abroad for, you know, shorter period or longer periods of time. How, how are they doing that? You actually wrote a book about living abroad. And so give us a couple of tips and things that people should think about if you're thinking about going somewhere for an extended period yeah that was my pandemic project i put out a second edition of Hmm. a better life for half the price because it was really easy to get hold of people and interview them because for a while there nobody was going anywhere so everybody was home so i i did a lot of interviews with expats and put that out um in 20 at the end of 2020 Mm -hmm. uh one thing that's changed during all this is a lot more people have remote jobs than Mm -hmm. there used to be um including a lot of you know corporate kind of jobs, white collar jobs that people used to have to go commute to an office for. Now more of those are remote and as a lot of times they should be because you know maybe you come in once a quarter and everybody meets but you don't need to be together all the time. And then of course there are lots of people like us that really could work from a laptop just because we're, we're writers or mm-hmm. people are graphic artists or podcasters, whatever. Um, you can do that from anywhere. So that's changed and the governments have kind of reacted to that because I think a lot of them have realized that that's a very desirable demographic to bring in because these people are earning money and they're not using a lot of services. Mm-hmm. They're not usually taxing the medical system. You know, they don't have kids in school a good bit of the time. So a lot of countries, I think it's up to 31 now, offer some kind of digital nomad visa 
Some of them are more desirable than others. Some of them are in expensive countries like Iceland, where it's not going to help you too much to <laughs> yeah. move there from the U.S. or England. You're going to actually be spending more than you did before. But a lot of them are in cheaper countries too. So I'm, I'm happy to see that development because it means you can go somewhere for more than three months because that's usually the cutoff for a tourist visa. And um, some places like Europe, you can't even be in the Schengen zone for more than three months, even if you change countries. So something like this that Portugal and Spain have offered, mm -hmm. for instance, will let you stay for six months or mm -hmm. nine months or a year without having to worry about that. And for anyone who doesn't understand what the Schengen zone is, what? Well, I think there's 26 countries that are basically grouped together in the EU. So if you go to one, it's the same as going to any of them for the amount of time you can stay and basically it's it's three months within six so um, you can stay for three months but then you got to get out of there and go somewhere else for three months before you can come back <laughs> and one of one of the uh, things i know you're doing or you and your wife have done are home exchanges and so would that be a viable option for people you know who need to leave somewhere for another three months and come yeah. back for another three months yeah, we've done that quite a bit. Nothing that long yet, but we did spend a month in Mazatlan in Mexico, and that was really nice to just hang out at the beach, and then, you know, they stayed at our place. But sometimes you, you can do non-reciprocal ones, or there's a point system. It doesn't always have to be you're there and they're in yours. And um, so, yeah, that's a it's a good way to use your house while you're not there as an mm -hmm. asset. And then right. other people belong to a, a house-sitter organization where mm -hmm. you basically go pay I mean, you don't pay. You go stay in someone's house for free to take care of their pets and water their plants and whatever. And so um, it's a win-win it's a for both people. So, yeah, look into things like that. There's always, you know, volunteer opportunities mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, all kinds of ways to lessen your accommodation costs. But also, it's just way easier to find a place to rent than it used to be mm -hmm. for a month or two months or three months. I mean, before Airbnb came along, it was just vacation rentals and or word of mouth and now there's Airbnb but there's also um, Facebook groups and all right. these places mm -hmm. where you can just kind of get the word out I'm looking for a place for two months and then suddenly 20 yeah. people write you back yeah <laughs> yeah now you manage and publish in in a number of different areas in in the industry you have a hotel website give our audience a sense of uh, of, of, of some of the areas that you cover with uh, your writing and with your websites well, first of all, I span um, budget to luxury because <laughs> I have a luxury site where I use a pen name. It's not a very secret pen name. It's just my first and middle name, but it's so my Google profile doesn't look like a complete mess. Uh, but uh, the blog I've had the longest is called the Cheapest Destinations blog, and I started in 2003, which was like the dinosaur age for this. Mm. I don't think AdSense was even available. <laughs> there was no YouTube. There was no facebook even and so there's no podcast yeah, yeah. it was kind of hard to get the word out but we managed um i have a another book called the world's cheapest destination so that's where that all started it was mostly just a blog to help journalists find me to quote mm -hmm. me <laughs> for the mm -hmm. book but uh then over the years i started other things just where i saw a hole in hole in the market so mm -hmm. one site's about near it's all narrative travel stories from book authors and uh yeah one's about hotels and and then I have one that's just for travel writers. It's kind of inside baseball, I guess, mm -hmm. <laughs> for, mm -hmm. um, where I do interviews in print uh, or in online in print. But um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of different things. Um, I used to have a site about travel gear that I sold and sort of pulled some money out. And uh, so that was nice. But 
after I had like 40 pairs of uh, travel pants and hiking shoes and you know how many can you use <laughs> mm. well on your on your blog you know I know you you uh, some of your the relationships you have they uh, with suppliers they give you stuff that you give away yeah so, I do a monthly giveaway on perceptive travel so go mm. sign up for the email list and you'll get okay. in on some action it's, the odds are quite good too this is not the uh, powerball lottery <laughs> so i'm lucky if i have 30 or 40 people in her and that's if it's something yeah. everybody wants yeah so upcoming you've got you've got a, a trip plan uh, to europe and uh, you're planning to go there give us a sense of where where you're planning to go in the next uh, several weeks and months well, this one's going to be very focused, and the two countries don't have much to do with each other, but I'm speaking at a conference in southern Spain and uh, Marbella, and then I'm going to tour around this Cordoba, Sevilla, you know, some of those cities, uh, Malaga. And then I'm flying uh, to Sofia, Bulgaria, which is mm. totally different uh, because there's a, a Nomad conference there. It's called uh, the Nomad Fest, and so I'm going to be there. and. Bulgaria is such a, I gotta give them a plug because it's a beautiful country, but it's mm. such a bargain. And I rented an apartment for a whole month for 260 euros. I'm not even staying a whole month. So like, <laughs> I'll take it for a month for that price. <laughs> wow. Um, well, so. It makes leaving this beautiful area a lot uh, easier for you, not yeah. for us. <laughs> I mean, look at this view and we had a pet walk across. You know, yeah, we had a lizard, some birds. Yeah. Lizards. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a beautiful, uh, heron out there earlier yeah yeah so before we we close i i have to ask you a couple of other um travel related questions these are kind of our standard rapid flyers all of the countries you've been is there one that really resonates with you speaks to your i call it your soul country so it speaks to your soul yeah this is always such a hard one to answer and people ask it all the time and uh I must like Mexico a lot because I have a house there and right. I spend a lot of my time there. That's that's my base uh, in a city called Guanajuato in the center of the country up in the highlands. But I've been to Peru five times and I would definitely go back in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So I guess I like that, that country a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's so hard because sometimes you just come to a new place and you love it. And mm -hmm. so it would, you know, suddenly vaults to the top of your list, yeah. you know, so right. it's uh, always a hard thing to answer. And different places have different things to love, you know, mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, and if you're a beach person, that's different than if you're a mountain person or sure. you're a city person. So it's, uh, it's always tough, but. Yeah, I was just in Argentina, and I think that was my fourth time there. And uh, mm. you know, every time I go back, I go, "Wow, this so would be a Latin good place to live." The Latin countries really kind of resonate with yeah, you. Yeah, and I do speak a fair bit of Spanish. It's sure. still not where it needs to be, but that helps too when you can actually communicate with people in mm. their language. Yeah, I can't do that in Hungary or the Czech Republic <laughs> or somewhere. You'll get there. Yeah. Um, and so, if you were to have a say a rum cocktail because you know that's your thing too with anyone past or present who would that be and why wow i think you asked me this before and i, I, I still I remember I, I still remember what i answered because um, I, I thought it would be fun to go back in history to talk to leonardo da vinci if there was a translator because i don't speak italian yeah. um but yeah, present day, um, I'm gonna give a different answer for present day because I'm actually starting to work with this guy named Kevin Kelly and he's the co-founder of Wired Magazine and he's got okay. a bunch of books out and he wrote the 
uh, kind of seminal paper called uh, a thousand true fans like basically you could make a living if you have hmm. a thousand true mm -hmm. fans who really care about your work okay and um, I'm starting a newsletter with them called nomadicos and it's oh. about people for people who want to live abroad and, hmm. and, and travel abroad long term and it's just four bullet points each week with great resources hmm. and just a quick read so you can go oh that sounds interesting and <laughs> go check it out so um he's somebody that i'm happy i'm really happy that i'm going to spend more time with mm -hmm. well oh. you have two fans here so indeed 198 <laughs> more to go <laughs> vice versa yeah uh, but tim thank you so much i'm so happy that we had this chance to spend time you know together in puerto rico i know we'll probably see you elsewhere uh, of in the world, but it, it's always a pleasure. Well, nice spending time with you again. Thank you so in much. In person. Yes. In person, yes, in person. <laughs>Stay tuned for the release of Tim's upcoming newsletter, Nomadico. And of course, you can always sign up for his newsletter for an update too. You know, uh, it was funny, dear. I don't know if you noticed, but I certainly did. We were photobombed by an iguana as we sat there recording this interview with Tim. Hmm. Well, I saw an iguana behind the camera. I didn't see one in front of the camera, so that one I missed. So I was totally unaware of that. Yeah, well, he made an appearance, as did many of the, the birds, and I really love the setting uh, that we did, we, we did this interview and it was uh, very authentic, and just listening to it reminds me, it puts me back there uh, on the island. But Tim gave us a lot to think about, I think, with regards to future travels and even our discussions of, you know, living abroad um, or traveling abroad for extended periods. You know, he's very full of uh, a lot of uh, incredible uh, travel information and, and resources and tips. So I appreciate this conversation. Indeed. In closing, let's consider the words of Oscar Wilde. Live life with no excuses. Travel with no regret. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're so happy that you traveled with us today. We try our best, you know, to be at your service. So please support us with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love for you to join our community, so please subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter from our website at worldfootprints.com. Our newsletter is full of travel news, tips, and resources, including our favorite links. Thank you so much for your support and for giving us the space to share the world through the stories we offer on World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.